Good morning and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, daily updates on your favourite team. I'm Jay Foster. Today we're going to talk about, well, whatever that was last night. Uh, we're going to look at both game three and four in the series. We're going to look at what the Blue Jackets did well, what they did not so well. We're going to look ahead to game five and we're also going to talk some goalie stuff. Good stuff. But first, we have to talk about last night's game. Let's, you know, let's just rip the band-aid off. Let's talk about all of the bad stuff and then we can talk about the good stuff and hopefully it's all uphill from there. Uh, at the time of recording this, it is 8.30 in the morning here and I was still awake at 5am last night trying to think about how I was going to talk about this game. I was furious. Were you not furious? Like, we were 3 minutes and 40 seconds away from the playoffs. We had a three goal lead with three minutes and 40 seconds left. It's fine. Everything is fine. I do feel like I understand why Steve Dangle is the way that he is a little bit more now. Um, because he was on the ceiling after game three and after game four, I was also on the ceiling. Uh, last episode, I talked a little bit about how this series is just a, like a matchup of the two most inconsistent and unpredictable teams in the friggin' league. You just can't predict which one you're going to get each game. You can't predict which one you're going to get each period sometimes. For 56 minutes last night, the Jackets were dominant. They were absolutely the better team. Uh, they took way too many penalties, but I mean, that's kind of business as usual, apparently. Uh, three things in life are constant death, taxes, and the Blue Jackets taking stupid penalties in overtime. I'm looking at you, Nick Foligno. But we also have to be better defensively. We are a team that is built on defense. That's our whole thing. We can't allow 50-plus shots in four periods and expect to win the game. We just we can't do that, and that's what they did last night. Uh, we are way better than that. Losing Murray hurts us. Um, I d I'm not sure what's happening there. Uh, he didn't play last night. Um, but he was scratched, not injured. So I hope it's precautionary or a rest because they don't want him playing back-to-back -back games to keep him fresh for game five. Uh... Because if we start bleeding defensemen again, uh, the game five is going to be just a total gong show. It's going to be, it's going to be bad. Um, I don't know what's up with Borenski either. Um, he didn't play the last nine minutes of the third period or any of overtime. Uh, John Tortorella didn't have an update for us after the game uh, about his uh, status, uh, which I hate. Um, the trainer was looking at him on the bench and kind of working his neck and shoulder area, um, which, I mean, if you know Zach Wierenski, he has one surgically repaired shoulder and then he uh, injured the other one early, early this season. So that's not great. Uh, the guy has two bad shoulders and I don't think... If somehow we manage to make it through a game five without him, I don't know that we're getting much further. Uh, if only because we can't keep making Seth Jones play 35 minutes a night and then expect him to be able to walk the next morning. Um, do we want to talk about what happened uh, at the end of last night's game? Uh, I don't necessarily, but I think it's important that we do because that was the worst three minutes of the playoffs so far, uh, in my opinion. It was all fun and games after game three, you know, everyone was having fun. We were like, oh, the Leafs, are, the Leafs have leafed it again. Uh, they blew a three nothing lead, lost in overtime. And then 
the game is going well. Game four is great. I'm having a lot of fun. We are three nothing up. There's four minutes left uh, in in the series, really, and then the Leafs score one, and then they score another, and then Pierre Luc is inches away from putting the series on ice. I've never seen a puck do that before. Um, if you're watching the game, what happened was essentially he shot the puck into the empty net and it went off the outside of the post and then into like the little plastic cover that goes on the outside of the net. I thought it was in, I think everyone else thought it was in for, you know, that brief second. And then we realized and it was like, well, F, we just, we fell apart. It wasn't good. Um, I don't necessarily think it was because the Leafs were playing particularly well. I think it was the fact that it was it was a it was a momentum thing. Um, the Leafs took advantage of a defensive miscue. They scored. They scored another one. It's three two with I think like twenty three seconds left. Um, Elvis is clearly rattled. Um, he's been so solid since he came in. I think he had 107 shutout minutes uh, to start his playoff career, which is, you know, awesome. Um, and then suddenly it's three goals on three shots and we're going to overtime. And I don't have faith in this team to not fall apart in overtime. Uh, in their defense, it lasted longer than I thought it would. Um, but you can't take penalties in overtime in the playoffs. Like, was it a soft call? Maybe a little bit, yeah. But at the end of the day, that's that's a trip. Um, and if you look at what the refs have been calling and what they haven't been calling, like, the, yeah, you're going to the box for that. Um, it's just not, it's not good enough. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, they've been getting better as the season goes on. We gave them this space, we gave them time, and now they're making us pay. Um, They are going to probably put them together again for Game 5, which was good in a way because it gave Dubois so much time and space because of the the matchup. However, Game 5 is a home game for the Leafs. They get the last change. I suspect what's going to happen is they're going to match Dubois up against Tavares, Matthews, and Mana the entire game. Uh, which, again, on the flip side, that will free up uh, the Boonjana line, which I thought was really good last night. Um, it'll free up the Riley Nash line uh, because, again, I thought that was I thought that was uh, that had a really strong game. Um, but they clearly, they've looked at our team and they're like, right, Dubois is the threat. Dubois is the problem. Let's do something about that. So I would not be surprised if as soon as Pierre-Luc Dubois steps on the ice in game five, there is just three Leafs surrounding him at all times. Coming up in just a minute, we are going to talk about the good things in this game uh, because there were some. And we're going to talk about the good things in game three because there were many. Remember, you can find Locked on Blue Jackets on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Jackets. You can find me on Twitter at JTheGoalie, all one word. And you can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts every weekday morning, except for today, which is a Saturday. 
but normally it will be weekdays. It's fine. This is this is uh, this is an uh, abnormality. Good things about last night's game. Uh, Alexander Texier is going to be a beast in this league. He's been so good this series. He hasn't necessarily put it on the score sheet, but he's getting confidence every single shift. Him and Atkinson have some pretty good chemistry going. Him and Dubois, they've been playing together since the start of training camp when they came back from the pause. They're clearly, you know, they're working well together. They're clicking. Um, we know that Dubois and Atkinson work well together. Um, the Dubois-Atkinson-Panarin line of last season was dominant. And so if we can get that top line going, if we can stop Dubois from making stupid choices, like that top line is going to be so good. Um, it's a shame that Alpha Bjorkstrand hasn't been able to really kind of find his step in this series yet because he was one of my picks for guys that the Leafs are going to struggle with. Um, he's just... When he's playing his game, he's fast, he's shifty, he's got a wicked shot, but he just hasn't been shooting in this series, and I don't know whether it's uh, line mates, I don't know whether it's the fact that he missed so much time to injury that he's struggling to get back into it, I don't know what it is. Um, but in the meantime, at least we have Alexander Texier kind of taking that spot on Dubois' wing and creating all kinds of havoc and letting Dubois and Atkinson do things like that first goal last night, which was just so good. Um, I ended. Up, I couldn't record yesterday. I had big plans to record, and then I got up and stood on my microphone. Uh, so I had to glue some bits back together, wait for glue to set. It was it was a whole thing. Um, anyway, I can't believe that the universe conspired to stop me from naming this episode Pierre Luc Dutois. Uh, because that was my favourite joke coming out of the Game 3 uh, hat-trick. Um, it was very, very validating to kind of see all of the media and all of the, like, all of Twitter, all of the fans be like, look, this is how Dubois be responds to being yelled at, because that's what I was talking about last episode. If you yell at him and you tell him to do better, he's not going to, like, sit there. He's going to yell back, and then he's going to go out and do better and he's going to score a hat-trick um, because he's just like that. He's been so good this series. Um, I would argue he's actually been our best player um, or best skater um, after after the goalies. Um, I just wish that he would stop trying to murder the other team. Um, and that empty netter, God, that would have been such a good way to end the series. Like, obviously, for the team, you know, we would advance to the playoffs. But, like, for Dubois, who had kind of a quiet-ish start to the series, uh, he has four points in four games so far, including that hat-trick. And he's just getting better and better. And he's still only, like, I think he's just turned 21. Imagine what he's going to be like when he's 24, when he's 26. Um, he is going to be unreal. Um... I'm going to get a little bit more into the goalies later, so I'm not going to talk about them too much here, but but Columbus doesn't get to a Game 5 without both of these goalies. Corpusalo had a shutout in his debut. Uh, he had almost five straight periods of shutout action uh, before he allowed a goal, I think, late in the second period of Game 2. 
Uh, and then Elvis had over 100 minutes of shutout playoff hockey to start his career before, you know, whatever the last three minutes and 40 seconds of that game was. Um, Kupsala made 36 saves out of 38 in game two. Last night, Elvis made 49 of 53. If you're getting that level of goaltending, you have to be scoring more goals. You have to help your goalies. Uh, coming up in just a minute, we are going to talk about who, which goalie should get the Game 5 start, who might get the Game 5 start, and how mad we're going to be about the results of this series. Uh, next week on Locked on Blue Jackets, we're going to be breaking down the series as a whole. We're going to be rating forwards, defensemen, and goalies. And we're going to either be looking forward to playing playoff hockey, or we're going to be frantically praying that if we don't get the first overall, at least Pittsburgh can't get it. We hope. Uh, we're also going to have the first ever Locked on Blue Jackets mailbag, so stay tuned to find out how you can contribute to that. Now, let's do let's talk goalies. Uh, I want to start by recommending a really, really excellent uh, Twitter follow, uh, Mike McKenna, who is a former NHL goalie. Um, he's played so many different levels, so many different leagues. Uh, you can find him at McKenna in game, all one word. And uh, what's really fun about him is he will watch these games and he will almost live tweet them uh, with a focus on goalies. So he'll talk about like what was good about that save, what was bad about that goal, um, some little like gear tidbits. Uh, he had a really fun one last night about how Kupsalo has uh, these pads that are designed to basically just pinball any rebound 60 feet away from the net, as opposed to like the softer the softer pads which kind of just leave the rebound sitting in front of you um like both of them are valid things to do with your equipment but it's really fun to kind of see stuff that i've been noticing and then have uh, a guy like mckenna be like yeah so this is what's happening and this is why and um just a really really fun follow um he had some really good things to say about last night's game about both goalies um a little bit of background from me as well. Uh, I play fairly high-level beer league hockey here in the UK uh, and have basically been absorbing as much goalie knowledge for the last seven or eight years as I can find. Um, I'm by no means you know, an expert on this thing, but I do have a little bit of background in goalie mindsets, goalie um, thought processes, and like techniques. Um, and something that's really interesting to me is how uh, Elvis and Corposalo have such different styles because they both have the same coach. Uh, Manny Legacy in Columbus has done a really great job with Corposalo especially, um, who I was really worried about coming into this season. Um, so you'd think, you know, some of their opposing styles would have flattened out a little bit just by dint of having the same coach and the same kind of learning the same techniques learning how to deal with things in the same way um but the main difference to me is aggression i think uh, elvis is a way more aggressive goalie than corpsalo uh, i don't mean that in like a violent way um i did enjoy him punching a maple leaf in the leg last night because the maple leaf poked at him first um but i mean more in a way of like elvis loves to go on adventures um elvis loves to play the puck um, those that don't follow the Jackets very closely, I feel like probably wouldn't 
know this. So it was a lot of fun uh, watching like the leaf side of Twitter and like the casual viewers be like, wait, what's going on when Elvis is skating, you know, two thirds of the way to the blue line to try and stop a breakaway. Um, there was a couple of dicey, uh, I guess, moments early in game four where he went out of the crease, where he went out of the crease to play the puck. Uh, had to get back much quicker than I'd like to see. He lost his stick and made a fantastic, really early save on Mitch Marner. Um, which, you know, is a lot of fun. But, like, as a goalie, I both love and hate moments like that. Um, it's great that we have what's essentially a third defenseman back there. Um, any defenseman that I talk to, they love when a goalie not only will play the puck, but can play the puck. Um, because it gives them an extra second. And I feel like, especially in terms of like Columbus being so defense heavy and so kind of like focused on making that first good pass in the defensive zone, having a guy like Mosleykins back there really, really helps out the defense and gives them an extra step, which is, you know, what we need when our offense is maybe not doing as good as it should be. Um, and Elvis was rewarded last night with his eagerness to play the puck. He got um, a playoff assist on the first goal, which is, I love. I love goalie penalties, and I love goalie points. These are the two best things in hockey. Meanwhile, we have Jonas Corposalo, who is a much less, let's say, dramatic uh, goalie than Elvis. I tweeted last night that Elvis is our we-might-win-but-I-also-might-die-watching-it-happen goalie. Whereas Corpy is much less high risk, high reward. He's a lot more kind of in the middle of the curve than Elvis, uh, which sometimes produces really good results like game one. And then sometimes it produces, you know, game three, uh, which again, I would like to, uh, I would like to state for the record that none of those goals were Corpusalo's fault. Um, I think he'd probably like to have the third one back, but the team was not helping him out at all. And like I talked about last episode, he's just one guy. He he can't stop everything. We can't expect him to stop everything. And game three, game two and game three really just kind of bit us there. Um, I personally would take Elvis at his best over Corpusalo at his best. Um, but it's also so much harder to predict whether you're going to get Elvis at his best or Elvis at his worst. Um in terms of the starter on Sunday, I would like to see them go with Elvis. Um, high risk, high reward. He's either going to stand on his head or he's going to, you know, crumple. There isn't really an in-between. Um, I think they will probably go with Corpusalo, um, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If you have, like, you have one game. Again, it's, it's tied. It is winner takes all. Games one to four don't matter anymore. You have a win, win one game and you're through situation. Um, go big or go home. And to me, you know, going big and going home is Elvis. Uh, we, but we don't really know what his mindset was like after last game. Uh, I thought he was really good in overtime, uh, but he was visibly kind of shaken and rattled, I thought, kind of going into it. He didn't look nearly as confident as as what we're used to from him, uh, and I really hope that he can bounce back. Um, as for the scoreline on Sunday, 
Um, I don't want to predict numbers because it, like the universe will come back and bite me on that. Uh, but I spoke to Sarah on Lockdown NHL a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she asked me for my predictions on the series, and I predicted that the Jackets would win in five games, and that the three of those games would go to overtime. And if you're counting, that's kind of... We are still on track for that. I don't necessarily regret that prediction, but if we do go to overtime on Sunday, I cannot and will not be held responsible for how much uh, I stress eat at 1am on a work night. Um, and I think that's all we have time for today. On Monday, we're going to break down the series in its entirety, win or lose. I'm going to be giving grades to all of our players, and we will either be celebrating making the playoffs or lamenting. Um, it's going to be fun. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at jaythegoalie. You can find this podcast on Twitter at lo underscore bluejackets. If you want to get in touch uh, and send in any questions for the mailbag that we're going to be doing next week, uh, you can email me at lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. Uh, remember to subscribe and review on the podcast app of your choice. This wraps up this episode of Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And why not go and check out my friends over at Locked On Leafs to hear what they have to say about Game 4 and the upcoming Game 5 on Sunday. Uh, have a great weekend. I will see you on Monday.